Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> this is Trisha. And I'm Evangelist Lorian. And we're just kicking, kicking it, it with, with Jesus. Jesus. I'm just going to let you start it and I'll come <laughs> in so we can't mess up like we did Charlie. last week. <laughs> Got it all tongue tangled. Yeah, all we up. really did, didn't we? <laughs> but it was all right. It was good. That's funny. We reconciled it. Yeah, you know. So sitting here just talking and talking and talking, right? We're so good at that. Mm. And then we turn on the camera and go, oh. what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and they just had a half hour conversation right? about nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, I think, you know, I today we got, I do women's Bible study from 10 to 12 on Thursdays. And so this new girl comes in today. And regardless of what people think, my man's an evangelist too. He is constantly, and he does it in his own way, but he's constantly telling people of Jesus, constantly. And so this young girl that he works with came to Bible study today. And so, you know, we do this, we do the study and it's like 11.30, 11.20. So I say, why don't we go around the room and everybody just, because there's not a lot of people, a three minute, no more than three minutes, tell us a little bit about you. Mm. So, you know, everybody's, yeah. What are you, you going to say about yourself? You know what? I mean, as long as one person starts, everybody seems to chime off of what the person before them says. Mm -hmm. It's that one initial person that has to go first, you know? Right. So, you know, it's her turn. And so, there wasn't a, a touch from Jesus or there was nothing like that. But, there was this hunger and it grows stronger and deeper as the days go by. Mm -hmm. Where she just wants to know Jesus and everything surrounding him. Like, what, what is it about you? Does she grow up in the church or does she, she was about it? Or? Not really. She was Catholic. You know, she, was, she, she said a little bit of a story. And, you know, and... It, a tough story like most people, you know, but she grew up Catholic. And so it was, I believe, Trisha, like God is touching her in a powerful way, but in such a way that he wants her to rise up and be what he's called her to be. I mean, you know, talking to her, man, she's, I think she's, she's in her thirties. She's a welder. And she has been since she's, she was 15. Wow. And, you know, not for nothing, like where she works and what she does. I mean, there's some heavy lifting. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, yo, man, I, I couldn't do it. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-uh, I'm good, but. I'm thinking to myself, 
Jesus has major plans for this kid. And she has no clue. She has no clue. She just thinks, you know. And so she she just bought herself a new Bible. It's an NIV. And uh, she's like literally pulling it apart, like reading and reading and reading it. That's so awesome. And it almost made me... I want to find the right word. Jealous is not the right word, but... Touch me again, Lord. <clears throat> well, like with that hunger, that fire. Come on. Like you're not jealous of that, but you remember when you had that fire. Come on. Yeah. And you just, you, I mean, down to when, as I was reading the Bible, there was words in there. I had no clue. Like zealous. Like what is that? Who talks like that? You know what I mean? Like who even says that? What is that word? Right. And in the back of the Bible, there was a dictionary. And so when I was done reading the whole New Testament, I had written words down that I had no clue. And I went to the back of the Bible and I looked up these words and the words that weren't in the Bible, I looked them up in a dictionary because we didn't have Google then. <laughs> Don't date yourself. <laughs> so, you know, I just think that that hunger and that thirst, it's something that God places inside mm. the hearts of his people. And Trisha, I really think that he's He's doing that. I think he places it when you open the door. You know what I mean? Because it, it says, like, I stand at the door and knock. And we were just talking about this the other podcast that we were talking on it about. That he's just constantly... Constantly. Let me not knock. The dog's going to start barking. Right? <laughs> He's just constantly not knocking. Right. He doesn't stop. So I think the moment we decide that we're going to open it up and allow him in, that's when he's like, here's me hunger. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's crazy how we're in this season where so many people that used to work with God and left, God is going, and he's breathing on them again mm. and bringing them back to him, you know, whether it's to the church or, you know, I feel like, I feel like the church gets a bad rap a lot of times, you know what I mean? Because everybody, there's church hurt, there's, there's so much. Right. Some is legit, some, you know, I find we're living in a generation, Trisha, where nobody, you ain't telling me what to do, right. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, and... I think, you know, we label that as, can you believe that they were trying to tell me that I have to read the Bible? Like, <laughs> you know, but I think that we're living in a time and a season where God is blowing upon humanity and he's raising up people mm. for his name and for his glory because we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. You know, like, just to touch on what you just said about, like, read, I know you, whatever, but wouldn't you want to read? I think we live in, a, we live in such a lazy generation where we're just like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take whatever it is that you say as the truth. Come on. And I, I don't know. I'm just one to want to know if you're telling me the truth. 
even if you're a pastor or you're a parent or you're a friend, like I just kind of want to look into it myself. So why do we live in a generation where people don't want to pick up the Bible and say, is this for real? Let me read it myself and see. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just going to listen to a pastor or I'm going to listen to an online pastor. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we don't have, we can interpret the Bible ourselves. We can sit. We don't need somebody to tell us what the Bible says. We can sit and we can ask God to tell us what the Bible says. Come on. You know what I mean? Because if we pray about it, Jesus is going to talk to us through the Bible. That's why we say it's living and active. And that's the truth. You know, that's funny because you were just you just talked about we can ask God. And I know that we've talked about this before. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but the most beautiful scripture that I think I've ever read is in the book of John. And John actually is a beautiful, beautiful book to begin with. But you're gonna tell me it's your favorite? No. But Jesus Christ himself prayed for me, mm. prayed for you, and so many more that are far off. And when you come to that place in him, what he prayed so long ago truly comes to pass. Because mm. he said, I just want them to know what I know about you, Father. Right. Let your love that's in me and me and you be in them. And there's something to be said, and I don't know where I, who I said this to yesterday, but I said something to somebody and I said, oh, it was my video that I posted. Our light and our love declare Jesus, the way we love people, regardless, and our light that we let shine, this Jesus that we let shine. Is it always? No. Rub me the wrong way and see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, and yep. I wish that I didn't have that, but that's my, that's my humanity and I'm working on it. Some days are better than others, but... I really feel like... I mean, but if we were perfect, would we call on God? And that's the truth. You just took the words right up out of my mouth. But that's the truth. We wouldn't. Right. We wouldn't need to. And I think that there's something to be said. And I'm not saying all people, okay? Please, not all people. Let me say that again. It's not all people. But there's something to be said when Jesus takes the broken, the addict, mm. the prostitute, the shameful, the rejected, the lonely, and he breathes upon you. He's not, he's trying to breathe upon those people that think that everything's good. I don't need you. Or they have Christianity on their terms mm. and not God's. And there's a whole lot of them. It, they do it the way they want. Well, I know what the Bible says, but God understands. 
Right. Or I, I get this a lot. I still pray. <laughs> I get that all the time. But oh, I believe in God. But your life doesn't prove that. The trees. You, right. you were just talking about right. it a little while ago. Make a tree good, its fruit will be good. Right. Make a tree bad, and its fruit is bad. Right. You can't get rotten apples off of a good tree, and vice versa. And so, <clears throat> and when he says good fruit, meaning, what do you do? How's your mouth? Right. How's your attitude? Right. How much unforgiveness do you hold in your heart? How much hatred? You know, these are the things that are contrary to, to God. Is it or is it not written that <clears throat> Jesus forgave me? Right. I asked him, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew I was bad. You didn't have to tell me I was bad. <laughs> and he said, tell me everything. Well, I'm this, 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 and this, and this. And there's nothing you can do about that. And in his love, he came. It's so crazy because for whatever reason, you knew that about yourself, right? You just knew that. Whatever it was that you were doing or how you were or what you did, like whatever it was, you just knew that about yourself. And like for a long time, not until like recently, it's this stupid book that he wants me to write, which I still don't even understand why. I write it and I'm like, why? I don't want, <laughs> whatever. So you knew that, but for so many years, I'm like, what was it about me that made me bad? You know what I mean? Like, I really wasn't a bad person until I started writing out. So I wrote my book and then God said to write it again. <laughs> So I erased the whole thing and started writing again. And I was just saying this to my husband that I don't deserve the grace of God. Because now I'm really writing it out, who I was, I wasn't a good person at all. I was filthy and damaged and hurting and ugly. And that took all of that, how many years? How old am I? 35. Because this is when I found this out just a couple weeks ago, last week. 35 years of me thinking like, I was a good person. I never got into trouble. I never really did anything bad. I didn't do a lot of drugs. I didn't, I didn't steal. I didn't do those things. Like I wasn't a bad person on the outside. But on the inside, he had to like show me that. You know what I mean? I do. And see, that's the beauty of salvation. When Jesus puts a mirror to your heart and you can see the real you, but more than that, you can admit it 
because there's a world full of people. I'm okay. Mm. There's nothing wrong with me. Jesus loves me. I'm going to heaven. Mm. And again, there are terms. And the only one that said them is the Creator. And we have to choose. You know, and I think a lot of times, a lot of people, they don't come to Christ and surrender because they think that if they do that, their fun's done. Right. You know, and it doesn't work like that right. at all. I can, I can remember. Now, mind you, I had Jesus for a year and a couple months first. Then went, then Jesus brought me to church. And I can remember going to church on a Sunday night, for real, for real. We'd leave church. Kamino already had a bath before we went to church, so all I had to do was put him to bed. I would put Kamino to bed, and me and your dad, we'd be sitting on the couch watching The Sopranos. Like, who does that? You know? <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and that happened for the longest of times until one day Jesus said, yeah, that'd be enough now. Because it was doing something inside me. I didn't even realize it. And so, <clears throat> you know, who I used to be and who I am is two totally different people. Mm. That's right. The way I think of people, the way I love people, And I didn't do that. There's no way I could have. Right. It, there's no way that I could have. That's all Jesus. And he gives you, and the Bible says it, he takes your heart of stone. And that's what life does. It gives you that stony heart like, I ain't letting you in. And then he gives you a heart of flesh when you come to him. And so, you know, I really feel like there's so many people, so many people broken, so many people shameful, so many people, you know, distraught and life has beaten and battered them, Trisha. You know, a lot of them sexual abuse and, mm. you know, yeah, in relationships. Like dr drinking to cover up any of the pain. Come on. You know? Relationships that are physical. Mm -hmm. You know, God never intended that. Ever. You know? And a lot of times we stay because what they say they love us. It's what we know, what we're comfortable with. What we feel like we deserve. You know, cool. whatever reason. I mean, I know that I've not been in good relationships and I stayed because I just didn't feel worthy enough to find anything other than that. Cool, and on top of it, I thought that's all there was out there in life. You mm. know? 
you don't know any, especially growing up with without like a father figure. Right. You know, right. and that and I tell you, I say this to Josh all the time, how important it is for parents to stay together with their kids. And I get it. Not it can't. It sometimes it doesn't work out, and I get it. And I'm not bashing any parents, but. Because it does take both parents to be committed into raising children, like fully 100% raising children. But right. kids need, uh, a daughter needs her dad to teach her what love is. And a son needs their dad to teach him what a man is. Right. You know what I mean? I do. You know, <clears throat> I, I come from a divorced family, but... <clears throat> I had my dad up until I can remember being, I was my dad's biggest fan and I know that. He loved me and I felt my dad's love. I did, I felt my dad's love. And I hit a certain age and I can, I can tell you exactly all of a sudden my dad like I liked I liked a boy I thought a boy was cute I was 12 and my dad everything inside of him just turned mm. and I could feel it and I was no longer the apple of my dad's eye and That's so sad. When, <clears throat> when did your parents divorce when when like how old were you they started to the house became very hostile I was 12, 13. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> for the longest of times, I always felt like I played a part in that. Wow. You know, and then, you know, I, I definitely, he left. I was like 14, 15. And, yo, it was downhill from there. Like I, so I did what I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And my mother said, I can't do this with you anymore. Get out of my house. Mm. If you can't live by my rules and do, go. And so I did. And there was a season where I lived in a tent in the woods on the railroad tracks in East Providence. And, uh, you know. At 14 years old? I was 15. Oh. And That's wild. And I had, I had, I remember being so hungry. I was, I was starving. I think it was, just went beyond that. Mm. And Nothing I, inside you ever thought, like, maybe I should go back home? No. Your stubbornness? It really was. It really was. There was just no way. There, I, I had so much built up. Pain. Pain and guilt, you know, like, but I was still a, a kid, so right. I'm processing things, even though I'm living like an adult, <laughs> for mm -hmm. real, in my brain, I'm still processing things as a kid. Right. And, you know, just, and I stole from Stop and Shop a can of Spam, because this, at the time, Spam had a key. Mm. You'd stick it on and you'd twirl it and it would open up the can. And I, that's what I lived on for days. And then I got pregnant and I aborted a child wow. at 15. And uh, 
You know, <clears throat> when you live under weight like that, you know, I often thought, and the father, <clears throat> I can remember the day I went to go have the abortion, he said, well, I'm going golfing with my friend. And I was like, oh, okay. And so that was like the, and that was the boy that I liked when, I, you know, with right. my dad. And I just, you know, living under the weight of an abortion sometimes, at the time, sometimes it, it was easy and sometimes it wasn't. Right. And uh, when I got saved, because I had to, when I got saved, Jesus, and I know I've, I've said this to you, but Jesus told me my children are with him. Mm. And I will see them. And I can't tell you the comfort that that brought to my heart. Knowing that regardless of the mistakes that we make, Jesus takes them and turns them, you know? Yeah. And I think, I can't wait to see my kids. I really can't. That's hard. It is. It is. I didn't know you had an abortion at 15. Yeah. I know that you had two abortions. I didn't know one was at 15. That's wild. I didn't know. He, I knew you were homeless. I didn't know it was at 15. And I, didn't, I, I don't know why I thought that your mom and dad split way earlier. Me and Josh were just talking about kids and adult kids and young kids when their parents split and how hard it is. You know, it's adult, not adult kids, but teenage kids. We were talking how we kind of feel like it's harder for teenagers because... I think it's hard for both. It's definitely hard for both. Like a seven-year-old, for sure. But like a teenager, just think about a teenager. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, I'll brush it off. I'll go sit in my room. And the parent doesn't come in and say, I know that you're not fine. I know you're hurting. I want to sit in your hurt with you. I can't take that hurt away, but I want to sit there with you. It's not your fault. And this has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Parents don't do that. Parents don't bring them in. Parents don't bring their kids in to make them understand that it's not their fault or whatever the situation. Even like if they're two parents that are fighting, you know? Kids internalize that kind of stuff. I think, though, you know, parents, regardless of why the divorce, I think are, are trying to process their pain Absolutely. as well. And I think that that is, a, that is really, and I'm not justifying it, I'm just saying that really is the reason why they can't. Right. They have no answers. They don't, again, and I know it sounds like cliche-ish and almost like a justification, but you can't do what you don't know. Right. You know, my mother, she really, she tried, she tried, but I really feel like... But it wasn't your mom that you were hurt by, it was your dad. I think it was... I'm sure it was both, both. but like even like you said, when you were 12 and you knew you were the apple of your dad's eye, 
that wasn't your mom, that was your dad. And even maybe you didn't know that, but you felt it. There was something inside you that felt like that disconnect, that disconnection between your dad. That hurt never got resolved. You never spoke those things to your father. Your father never talked to you and made you feel a certain way. He has now, which is so strange because so, you know, my dad came back into my life. I'm 52 now. But my dad came back into my life, like into my life, mm-hmm. about 16 years ago. I had the daycare for 17 years, so about 16 years ago, like truly back 15, 16 years. And I'm just learning my dad and just starting to form this relationship with him. And he comes down with all times mm-hmm. and you know that's it's such a hard thing to see this man you know regardless of what he did you know and he I can't begin to tell you how many times he's apologized with tears and tell me how much he loves me and I know he does I know he does and I forgave him a long time ago when I first got saved. For the longest time, I was very angry. Mm. But I forgave him. And I, I wrote him and my stepmother a letter, forgiving the both of them when I got saved. And it came from my heart. It really did. It would be nice for the acknowledgement of what you did and how just to acknowledge that that's you did that yeah you know you you hurt you hurt us you know but there's a a thing where you know he's 72 now and he i look at him and physically he's so strong Mm -hmm. still at 72 and yet, his mind is going backwards. That's so sad. And, you know, I just, the day will come that the Lord will take my dad. And, you know, even with that, Trisha, that's, it's a beautiful thing. God's faithfulness, his faithfulness to me through the years of weeping, like for real, for real. I can remember when I first got saved. I was a grown woman with a child, stepchildren, and a husband, and me talking to my father about Jesus, and my father saying to me, if you talk to me one more time about Jesus, I'm going to punch you in your face. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, same thing with my grandfather. On oxygen... Yeah, he was dying. He was in the hospital. He was dying of emphysema. And man, I just needed to know my grandfather was going to heaven, man. Right. Hell is real. Right. Hell is real. It is so real. It's more real than the earth that we walk on. Right. And I needed to know that Jesus was in his heart. And Trisha, he said to me in Spanish, you don't come into my room and talk to me about Jesus the virgin has been in my house longer than you've been born. 
And I'm thinking, I'm not even talking about the virgin. What are you, what, like, what are you talking? But he was so angry that the vein in his head and right here were just bulging. And I walked out of that hospital with my tail between my legs and I said, I'll never say ever again anything to my grandfather about Jesus, nothing. And I would have made the, I made the choice that day you want to go to hell, go. And We but, get there, though. I mean, come on. And it was just like... <clears throat> and the day before he died, we went to the hospital. There was nobody there. There was a priest in my grandfather's room. The priest walked out. We walked in. I walked out to go to the ladies' room. And my husband, your dad... Led my grandfather in the sinner's prayer to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. My grandmother died. She asked, she was dying. She asked for me. And she said, how do I get Jesus? I know all of my grandparents are in heaven. My mother, her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My father's. God is faithful to me. You know, there was just always a heart of prayer. I always, I always had to talk to God because I had nowhere else to go. And my God book, my first God book, y'all will read it. It's so ridiculous now that I, I sit back and do I, I read it. I'm like, do I want, really? do I want to burn this? Like, <laughs> Did I really see that? <laughs> like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but, you know, my prayers were so simple and so raw. And God met every single prayer. Almost every single prayer. And we think that just talking does nothing. But when you're banging down that door over and over and over again with the same prayer, like, you need to save my mom. You need to save my dad. Their names have to be, show them you. Show them through me if you need to. Give me the right. And now my mother goes to church faithfully with me every single week. Every single week. Jesus has given me a beautiful, beautiful relationship with my mom the last almost two years. Were you not close to your mom? No. Before? Mm -mm. Were you just, just not? Like we mad at her or just not? No, we were just not. She was remarried and, you know, she was with him. And so, so I always you got felt like... once her husband passed. Yeah. I always felt... And I'm just going to be honest now that we're talking about it. And I pray that it doesn't, if my parents see it, I pray it doesn't hurt them. But I just always felt like I was unwanted. Hmm. Do you yeah, know? Yeah, no, I know. Um, I know. And so, the, and I say this all the time, you know, like, when, when Jesus and, you know, People can think what they want to think. 
I know that Jesus Christ ordained my marriage long ago. Mm. That man is beautiful in and out. He's not the greatest of husbands. He's not the greatest of fathers. He's not the greatest of men. But in my eyes, he is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I am one of the luckiest women alive. I am. For all that I have, you know? Let's keep it real, though. I mean, like, me and Josh are just talking about this, and somebody had said something to him, like, oh, but, uh, you know, you lucked out in your relationship. And Josh is like, you, we worked for this. This wasn't always, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't always. It's not like you met and it was perfect. Like, you work for a marriage. Like, you work, you, like, the Bible, like, says tells you exactly how to be in a marriage you gotta die to yourself for the other person and that just doesn't come overnight like come on Ah, right there (laughs) that right there can we talk about that right there please because i think and i know that it sounds cliche-ish and i know that it sounds like what lady but for real for real let's just talk about it for a second the fights and the making up. Mm. The fights and the making up. And the fights and the making up. Over and over and over. And it's like this, this stone inside of a, inside of a oyster shell, and it's just for years, just until one day they open up, and it's this beautiful pearl, man. Mm. That's what the marriage does with the fighting and the making up. The fighting and not speaking to each other. The fighting and grabbing the clothes and get out of my house. I'm not leaving. You know, until one day you look at this person and your heart skips a beat, man. Mm. And I know it sounds stupid, but I'm telling you that that's what happens to me. No, I mean, I totally get I mean, I'm not, I'm not there yet. You will be. We've only been you married be. for nine years. But it does, you know, the first couple of years of marriage is hard. And it, it, you know, Josh and I were just talking about this too. Like it's, it's, you know, taking ownership of the things that you do. Come on. You know, like realizing who you are and what you can do to improve yourself. How you can be different. What kind of reactions you had in that fight. Right. What did you do wrong in that fight? How can you do better next time? And coming together and talking about it. The communication is like 100% key. Absolutely. But I also think, and I know people are going to say it's because it's who you are, but it's true. There's something to be said when you have the dynamic of Christ at the center of your marriage. Right. Because what your flesh wants to do... Mm, I know, that's right. Jesus is going to take you and he's going to rein you in and he's going to go, yeah, you're not doing that. Right, right. And so, you know, and I only say that from experience. 
I only say that from experience. So, you know, it's easy. It's really easy to walk away. I was just going to say that. But there's something to be said. When you trust God. And you fight for. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to. Come on. I don't want to stay. But... You're saying it's going to be beautiful if I do, and I trust in you. Because I've been there. Come on, like four years ago. That's not that long ago. Where God was like, you can leave if you want. That's okay. But if you stay, it's going to be beautiful. But it's going to be a hard road. And it's like, come on, Jesus. Come on, because how, and that's my life. Come on. Your life, that's, you know, that's your life. Was that a Bible slap that or was a my, That was <laughs> me slapping Jesus. I'm sorry, kidding. Lord, sorry, I'm Lord. I'm I repent. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, like, what does it say? The road is wide that leads to destruction. I'm sure that road is nice and smooth. But the one that's narrow that leads to him, and that's for everything. Trusting in him for your marriage, trusting in him for yourself, trusting in him for your kids. That road is narrow, you know? I think anything that Jesus calls us to, not that it's perfection, it's not. It is righteousness, it's right, be it. Your marriage, trusting them for it. Mm-hmm. Trusting for your children when they become wayward. For names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The people that you love. Because you have this epiphany now. Is that the right word I want to use? That Jesus is real. Facebook will let you know if that's the right word. You know, is it real? Right. And now you know heaven is real. Hell is real. Jesus is real. So is the devil. Like, and you love people, man. And I can remember being very zealous and, there's that word, really zealous and like this strong desire to, you need to know Jesus. Right. You know what I mean? Like. And they're like, whoa, lady. We don't want that Jesus. Right? Like, calm down. And I think that that's why my dad's like, I will punch you in your face. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. I do, do. (laughs) And I'm like, no. You know, I just, I think, Trisha, at the end of the day, I think we hit the target more when we just pray. Hmm. Just talk to Jesus about the things that you long for in your heart. You know, I I said this to somebody that's a powerful prayer warrior. And I love her so dearly. She was on my heart yesterday. And so I called her. She was on my heart for days. So yesterday she was heavy. I called her. And I could tell. And so she's talking and she's 
not saying anything like of significance. I was like, all right, wait. And I just started praying because I know you don't have to tell me what's the matter. Right, right. But she told me today, but you don't have to tell me what's the matter. The author of your life right. knows. Right. So let me go to him on behalf of you to help you. And there's something to be said, and I said it today. For months, it was like my tongue was stuck to the roof of my mouth, and I couldn't pray the way I normally do. And I said, Lord, you need to loose my tongue. I don't know what's happening, but... And he did. Like, <laughs> So, prayer is a powerful, powerful weapon. It's a powerful tool. And we need to learn how to just talk to Jesus from your heart. What's in there? Because out of the heart flow the issues of life, the Bible says. So what's going on in there? It's time to release. Right. To the one that hears you, but also does for you. You know? Yeah, I do. I do. Well, with that being said, about prayer, do you want to pray for the people? You can. No, you can. I did last week. Oh, you did. You did. You did. Boom, boom. (laughs) Precious Father how we love you and praise you because you Jesus is so wonderful Lord I ask for every listener that you would raise them up Lord raise them up to be mighty for you and your kingdom Jesus I pray pray that you would mend shame mend guilt mend brokenness I pray if anything that we talked about tonight resonated with your hearts, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would go to the Father and just talk to him about it. I pray, Jesus, that there would be healing that takes place. I pray that there would be restoration that takes place. I pray that there would be redemption that takes place by the power and the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening along. Yeah. Make sure you like, subscribe, put the notification bell. (laughs) You know, I'm just really quick. So, you know, I always talk my hands and I'm looking. I'm like, what is that behind me? We forgot to shut the shade. Yeah. So, the reflection. Hey. I wish you guys could see. In my backyard, there's this huge bush of morning glories. They're so beautiful. They're white. Yeah, really pretty, actually. They really are. And every morning, I'm sitting at the Bible table, and I'll look, and there's just bees everywhere. Just, Mm. yeah, it's just the coolest thing ever. So. Well, until next time. We are just kicking it with Jesus. (laughs) God bless you.